Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Marais Show. My name is Thomas Daam. My guest today is Kali Nikitas. Kali is founding chair of the Masters in Fine Arts Graphic Design program at Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles. She has facilitated Typo Berlin and Typo San Francisco. She also hosts workshops and special events in the States and abroad. And over the years, her studio, Graphic Design for Love and Money, has been recognized in numerous publications and competition. Now, uh, her studio is redirecting more towards collaboration and human connection i want to come back to the human connection a little bit later but um kali can you tell about your path in becoming a a graphic designer and later a curator uh yeah so i studied graphic design in school um and i started a very traditional practice print-based making and simultaneously started teaching to support an under earning studio And um, that's kind of what ended up happening. I became more and more interested in education and thinking about education as a design practice. So the more I did that and the more I became involved and interested in administration, I pulled away from the literally the making of these artifacts. And, um, you know, the idea that you could design a graphic design program that thought about design uh, in all these different facets. So you're designing people, curriculum, opportunities, experiences. You know, it's much more, for me, it was much more intriguing. And also it was more, it was closer to the talent that I think I have naturally. Um, And it kept me very, very interested. Uh, so that was my, that's my history, I guess. Seeing design as an educational tool or designer practice, uh, a course, how did that change your view on graphic design as a whole or as design? Uh, I think the best way to describe it is that, um, when I was making objects, it was an isolated event, Hmm. so to speak. And when I started to work in a grander way more collaboratively and farther reaching at least in my world it became much more interesting to me uh and i was growing and and stretching myself in ways that i wasn't uh in my studio working for small nonprofit organizations and i also want to say that this wasn't something i accepted right away what was happening was that I kept struggling to have um, a successful design practice. And at the same time, I was doing all of these other things in the context of art schools, um, other things that involved, as you said, human connectedness. And I was enjoying that, but on some level, um, it seemed so much fun that it, I didn't think it could actually be the answer for a practice. Hmm. The other thing is that when I was starting to do it, it wasn't all that common. People weren't really talking so much about graphic design education as a practice, as hmm. a form of scholarship. And so it wasn't like I was in the company of other people. What I was hearing about was alternative forms of being a designer, yes, but that often 
seem to manifest in writing, texts, publication, self-publication, um, and uh, yeah. So there you go. In the habitat of the collective, you felt more yourself than being in your own in studio working for clients, nonprofits, uh, and so yeah. and so on. Yes, and also I want to say that the universe was telling me that I should probably do some other things because big, amazing, financially lucrative projects were not coming my way. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, they, I wasn't, and it's not, I think that I can tell you honestly, it wasn't as if I was at some fork in the road and I had a very robust studio practice mm -hmm. on one side and on the other side was design education as a practice with, um, you know, other other special initiatives special projects or or other events mm. and then i had to decide i think it was decided for me my studio was shrinking and shrinking and i was becoming more and more interested in perhaps making up creating opportunities for other people um, whose studios could benefit from my event planning or um can you tell about the first thing that you organized and how did you um, start it with, with doing that? Because if you figure out that, that there's something that you really like to do, like um, help other people to um, promote them or um, make an exhibition together, because I think I, what I hear is that, that it is like a, an ongoing process. So I was, I was wondering how did this first exhibition or event came about? Uh, so that's such a good question because I I saw where the question was going and I'm thinking as fast as I can uh, to the first experience. And um, I think that I'm right in saying the first time that I did this was with, um, it was a great collaboration with Jan Abrams, who was part of a, I was, I was living in Minneapolis. I was the chair of the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. The, the school is attached to a museum, Minneapolis Institute of Art, and we also had a close affiliation not only with the Walker Art Center, but also with the Design Institute, which was a, um, a freestanding institute. It, it was an institute within the design school uh, that had a short life, actually, um, five years or so, if I'm not mistaken, and an amazing woman, Jan Abrams, kind of the queen of facilitating, um, the queen of diplomacy, uh, and the three, she, myself, and the, uh, the design curator at the MIA collaborated on uh, a conference called Just the Type, and that was the very first collaborative conference event, and it entailed um, book signings, lectures, workshops um it combined students practitioners we had a couple um, people from holland who were over um i also want to say i think the dutch consulate supported um the event they've always been supportive of a uh, of me and, and events that i've hosted um or in this case co-hosted and so that was the first and it i think really successful And from then on, you like you created the, or co-created this uh, just a type um, event, in, and it was in Minneapolis. Yes. Okay. At the Walker, or 
No, it was not at the okay. Walker. It was at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. And then another venue was at MCAD, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And that was uh, the buildings are next to each other. So we did just a series of these events. I mean, it really was one big party. Mm. People came from all over. It was, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And that that gave me a taste of something that I, you know, I've kind of, I, I got the bug. Right. And um, how did you develop that further? Like that, that you get you get the bug and then how did you continue um, shaping the events that you wanted to organize? Because like organizing takes a lot of time and energy and planning and stuff like that. Yeah. And how, yeah. Like what was what were your next steps or how, how did you develop like over the years this your way of curating? So I've been affiliated with a number of institutions in Chicago, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, Minneapolis, I just mentioned, I uh, was briefly in Boston, and now I'm at Otis. All of those schools have given me the opportunity to host visiting artists. And also throughout the years, I've traveled and in my travels, I've met people. And I think that because the design world is quite small, you know, you, you just we don't use Rolodexes anymore, you know, those, um, the way that you can, you basically collect a library of people that you know, and you get to know work. And, and I now make a habit of doing as many studio visits as I can when I travel hmm. and think about ways that I can provide opportunity for the people that I've met, whether that's inviting them to be visiting artists, whether it's recommending them to colleagues in situations that may be better suited for them in their practice or to invite them to speak at a conference um, of which I may be partially a content developer. So what ended up happening after Minneapolis, because I was already inviting people as visiting artists, is that um, it wasn't until Otis College of Art and Design and a couple other significant opportunities that it became a habitual experience for me to do many conferences. So I had a, for a long time a close relationship with um, Florian Pfeffer and Frederick Lambert's who do, who did, it's, it's no longer existing, but a, a competition called Output for students. And we collaborated together on conferences in Los Angeles called What Matters. Mm -hmm. And, and they held the judging of the competition at at Otis, which meant that judges from all over were flown in. And instead of, I mean, I'm a fan of leveraging opportunities. So they didn't just come and judge these competitions. We put them to work, quite honestly. Yeah. And we created conferences. Um, and so, you know, it would kind of be the same story. I, I won't repeat myself, but for several years, we did those. Um, And now what's what is happening is that at Otis in the summer, we have something called Design Week mm -hmm. and we have the visiting artists who are doing workshops with students. We'll have a weekend. It's an art book fair. Then there are public lectures. And so depending on the set of circumstances um, and again, the context and content, you know, just a, whatever's appropriate. So that's where we are. That's where I am today with what I'm doing on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. With the, I was so fortunate to um, 
be invited years ago to be one of the facilitators um, who participate in, in the Typo San Francisco conference, and it was in existence for only four years. This was unfortunate. I would have liked to have seen that conference continue because it was an alternative conference to the larger, a little overwhelming um, conferences. These were more alternative forms of practice, mm-hmm. uh, and it had also an academic bent to it. So you had people who were taking a lot of risks with their practice. And so that was my involvement with Typo. I had been a facilitator on two occasions in Berlin. Mm -hmm. The first time I was a complete, it was a complete debacle. I was really, you know, I'm, I'm not one to really, I just want to say I was horrible Mm -hmm. and I'm, I completely accept that I did my best and it was horrible. So I was shocked that they invited me back. And one of the contingent and then one of the things about being invited back was I I really wanted to participate in a content creating way. I wanted to develop some of the content. So I asked if I could curate um, a section of the conference and they were very receptive and Mm. very generous and allowed me to curate a group of studios small studios from all over who i think really deserved recognition and acknowledgement to come together in berlin and share with the audience the kind of practice they have and Mm -hmm. it was there were some similarities but also really a lot of differences yeah and can you tell how you assemble these events because for example for the typo event they are small studios, but they are also, or at least in my opinion, they have signature style, as uh, so to say. And yeah. Is that something that you really focus on, that if you invite people that they have a really strong signature or that they, it doesn't matter that they don't have a signature, but that they have the way they think or they to, how they talk about design in relationship to connecting other people or collaboration, that that's also something that's important for you? I would say I never think about a signature. Uh, you know, I, in terms of a signature style, I think a lot of studios have an aesthetic, of course, you know, right. especially if they've had a long-standing practice. And it would I don't know how responsible it would be if I brought people together whose work all looked the same or whatnot. And I think one of the problems, or not a problem, one of the situations that we now find ourselves in with um, sharing of of work generated on Mm -hmm. a social media, you know, on a global level is that people are sharing visual language that previously didn't happen. It's actually why I like California graphic design, to be honest with you. I think that it's hanging on in a lot of ways to a fairly unique idiosyncratic Mm -hmm. visual language. Um, I sometimes look at the work that my students are doing and I think, wow, are we really wrong because we're not adhering to what I'm seeing around the world? But in fact, you know, our students come from all over and have very unique stories to tell. And therefore, I think their work should reflect that. Mm-hmm. So so that answers that, um, mm-hmm. I hope. So when I'm, I mean, I'll use typo as an example. I looked at a, I wanted to bring uh, an equal number of women and men together. I wanted to look at um, priorities within studios. So I'll give you some examples. I was thrilled to bring We Became Aware 
They are um, an interdisciplinary studio. They do not only event planning, um, self-publication, traditional design mm-hmm. projects. They also do intervention in, within the city. They kind of do installation and social. They have a social practice. They have a practice where they're, you know, inserting their work in a very uh, rebel way. So I was interested in them. I was interested in a, a woman who works in UX design in Berlin. She's actually a former student of mine. Sarmista Pantham. So she, you know, she's doing what a lot of people do, which is not only does she have her day job, so to speak, but she is using her design sensibility and and creating events with food and dinner parties, uh, as well as projects around craft making. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a very different voice. And then, you know, I could go on and on. Everybody's was quite different and and then there were similarities but the big thing that i want to say about every single event in which i am a part is that i think almost first and foremost will these people get along it it really you know you come together you show your work that ends quickly because a lot of the times i ask people to speak between 10 and 15 minutes i find that a really powerful format so that comes and goes quickly but what I want to have happen is I want these people to connect with one another as well as the audience and and ideally develop friendships or professional collaborations in the future and that happens Mm -hmm. and I think that that is what especially with our designer in residence series and the design week visiting artists these people are you know their own lives are enriched and that interests me. You know, mm-hmm. work come and go. It, it just comes and goes. It gets thrown out, literally. Right. You know, I no longer care about printed matter. I, I respect people who love it, and I appreciate it, and I think I could still make some things, and that's fine. But for me, there's nothing like a great memory. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like sitting around a dinner table sharing a meal with people that you've been introduced to and you fall in love with them and you feel this incredible gratitude that you have chosen to work in a field where these types of people, um, creative, interesting, inquisitive, uh, supportive people, uh, you know, these are, this is our world and how lucky are we, mm-hmm. you know? I think that I want to also say that I think that there are other creative disciplines that are not as generous and supportive and kind as I experienced the world of graphic design to be. I, I have been so fortunate to very, very meaningful friendships in in graphic design, in the world of graphic design. Mm-hmm. Through events. Yeah. Ah, okay. So you say you say three very interesting things. Like first is um, you think the ten minutes presentation is a powerful format. Yes. How come? Because you don't need a lot of time to say a lot. I mean, if you ask somebody, I mean, of course, a 40-minute presentation can be interesting. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I'm quite sure everybody I've asked to speak would give a fine 40-minute talk. Right. When, you're, when you only have 10 minutes, you're, you really have to say something. Mm-hmm. And the audience really has to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I think our attention span is simply that short these days. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to do now more than ever is I want to get a lot of people to speak 
in the course of an hour and a half. So when we have, for instance, our lecture series, you know, in this kind of format, this rapid succession, Mm -hmm. everybody gets to hear each other. And, you know, all of a sudden speakers have a level of camaraderie amongst each other and, and validation of one another's practice. And, you know, nobody can sit through eight 40 minute talks. People have to take breaks, but everybody will sit through Mm. eight 10 minute talks. You know, for you, it's very important that the speakers or the designers that you invite, that they connect with each other so that they can create um, working relationships or friendships. And um, why is that so important for you? And also, how do you think it's important that the the people that you invite or um, that speakers connect with attendees. What makes this question a really good question is that I would first, I would not have said what I said when I first started doing events like this, because this was not necessarily a planned outcome. Of course. Over the years, I have seen it over and over again, the residue of these events or the un, um, unexpected benefit. And what I've come to realize is that once again, I was looking in the wrong place. You know, when I first started doing this, I wanted my students and I want the audience to see great work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't, wasn't thinking so much perhaps about people and connections. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize, wow, all of a sudden people are, you know, visiting other people in other cities. I'm looking on social media and one of the former visiting artists has posted an image and several of the comments are coming from the visiting artists that they were here with at the same time. Or I get a photo from somebody that they've collaborated with across the country or mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and they've met here on campus. Or I see a student who's working in collaboration with a former visiting artist. Or I, whenever I visit and I am re- reunited with a former guest and they talk about Um, their fond memories of the school. Uh, They're not talking necessarily about the work that they made, although they might say they were happy with the work or the the workshop. They're really talking more about the personal and the social connection. Right. You know, I was raised as as, um, an Akitas in my family that it was so much about human connectedness. I mean, that really is, you know, telling stories and being a person and being a person in the world. And that mattered, you know, uh, and I think that's carried over into my professional life. And so now I've seen evidence of it and it's powerful and I want more of it. I want, I want to create, I want to create as many opportunities as possible. And, you know, it's not, yeah, I I don't know. It's like a no, it's a win, 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 win. I, I don't know. There's no, it's a winning formula. I don't, I, I'm sure people have left and I don't know who that, I mean, I'm sure not everybody has had a great time, uh, but I don't know. I, I think that I've had a good time and I've, when right. I've needed to learn a lesson, I've learned a lesson and yeah, I mean, nobody comes to these, especially Otis, you know, nobody comes to make a lot of money. They come because it's an opportunity to see LA. I mean, one of the things that's so fun is I'll travel and I'll do studio visits in whatever country, Athens, you know, whatever mm-hmm. city, Athens or Stockholm or whatever. 
people may not be familiar with Otis College, but they certainly want to come to Los Angeles. Right. So I've got their attention. And then, you know, I really, it's important that we host them in a way that's respectful and memorable. I think for all uh, designers, it's interesting to come to LA and to go to school also go to schools, give lectures in an educational setting and tell about your life and get questions back and then uh, have dinner together and stuff like that because then you create a nice memory. Yeah. And you share your experience. So that's that's something. And uh, I also wanted to ask you about, um, you organize all these events and you already mentioned it, that you have like um, equal amount of uh, male and f- um, uh, men and women. And I wanted yeah. wanted to ask you about, um, is this something that is really like a key focus point for you or is it just going naturally? Naturally, um, Can you tell something about that? Yeah. Um, so I've always, hmm. so, you know, I went to, when I went to graduate school and feminist theory was really popular and it was a, you know, you, you, yes, I was very mindful of that. Um, And I, I'm very aware that there are women who, graphic designers who came before me, who did a lot of, as they say, breaking the ceiling, you know, Mm -hmm. the glass ceiling. Uh, So the four people who come to mind right away who are, um, who were in my circle in some way, you know, Lorraine Wilde, April Griman, Lori Haycock-Makala, those are people that I had very close contact with. Um, I actually now have the job that Sheila DeBretville, who's the chair of Yale, once had. And, you know, these are women who worked very hard in a big man's world. And I also remember clearly, I don't know if April knows this, but I, when I was in college, I went to New York for a conference and there were three successful white men. And then there was April giving a talk and April didn't say anything. She just pushed play and had this incredibly dynamic rock star presentation of her work. And afterwards, everybody ran to the table to meet April Griman, which was in the 80s. And, you know, so I've always been aware that there weren't as many women in the field. Um, And then I did this exhibition called And She Told Two Friends. Um, Now, I don't, I am a feminist and I'm fine. I am, you know, yes. But it's also very natural for me to be mindful of women's rights. Um, I hope I'm not really an angry person. I have in the past been an angry person. But, you know, I have noticed that this has been more of an issue for my community, mm-hmm. uh, just women equality. Uh, you know, my mom, when she was working, she worked for a period of time. She was paid half the amount that mm-hmm. the guy paid next sitting next to her. You know, so I'm very aware of that. But in graphic design, you know, the pool from which we we select of women who can lecture at conferences or come and do events, you know, it, it may not be as big because I think that often people are looking for the people who run big companies or rock stars or, you know, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I think that in general, women tend to be a more multidimensional presence in design. Mm -hmm. So when I just naturally, I, I, I am a woman who has female friends. And so I was meeting females in design and I was inviting females 
as visiting artists. You know, that was mm-hmm. supernatural for me. Mm-hmm. When I am curating uh, an event that involves students or it's an academic event, I am absolutely conscious because I have many female students. I need them to see role models. And so I am super conscious, not only of gender, but of um, types of practice mm-hmm. as well as racial um, and equality. Mm-hmm. These things matter. And, um, you know, my colleagues will will tell you that's the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm very systematic about my choices. And, um, you know, when I curated Typo San Francisco, some of the, you know, a lot of the conversations were about gender equality and how important it was to put people in front that other people may not have heard of, but their work was spectacular and they needed to be recognized. So yes, yes, and yes, I make a conscious effort. Okay, so the work that they make is not important at all. No, no, I wouldn't say that at all. No, 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 I, I, no, 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 no. I think that women, I think that there are a lot of women out there who make exceptional work. Right deserve to be recognized. Mm-hmm. I think that we owe it to these women and people of color and mm-hmm. people who are marginalized to reconsider the criteria that right. we were using in selecting people to get on stage. Yeah. And we need to dig deep. And that's really simple. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been simple. If I haven't met them, I mean, every time I go to visit a city to do a studio visit, um, I ask if they know of other people that I could visit. If I'm short on something, I do some research and ask Mm -hmm. some questions. And I will also say, you know, nothing is fail safe. I mean, you know, you take risks Mm -hmm. and you you take risks in inviting people that you only have met on the Internet or I, I or you hear from somebody that you know they're not and and also i want to say i've been in education for 30 years a lot of my students come back as speakers and Mm -hmm. i know them Mm -hmm. so because i'm in the world i have my my reference is pretty robust i mean i know some people who are doing interesting work Mm -hmm. so i think it's i think it's multi-leveled i am i like very much when somebody i'm going to talk specifically about selections for lectures Mm -hmm. So when somebody lectures, I am not looking for, um, I'm not looking for things that some other people may be seeking in terms of a criteria of um, how they will perform on stage. You know, a perfect talk, for mm-hmm. example. I actually embrace error, mistake, humanness. I actually enjoy seeing somebody on stage who shows nervousness because that's human. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have a problem with somebody um, needing to start all over or, you know, self being not seeking perfection. And I think that by opening up your idea of who should be presenting in that way, like let's take a risk, you know, or even this person has never spoken before. Let's let's give them a chance. And if they falter in some way, don't think of it as falter, but think of it as, okay, you know, mm-hmm. this is just a reminder of what, what we all do. We're all, we're not, we list define, you know, what, let's see, 
Now I'm sorry I'm being taped, but only in terms of I'm not coming. The words aren't coming to me fast enough that I think that it's okay to to see people and be very real and, and see them be very real. I'm so drawn. I'm drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't I, need to see a talk that's perfect. So to right. Speak. Because then it's also as a attendee or as somebody who is watching the talk, you can connect with the on a you on another exactly. level than on a human just exact. yeah exactly you know and i want to use an example um i was on a panel and the people who were speaking before me it was a presentation uh panel and the people who came before me just had done such a great job and when it came time for mine my presentation um it didn't work it was broken and instead of the whole it was the audience could have been so mean to me, to be honest, they could have been shooting me darts of you wasted my time. And I ended up having to talk through the presentation without visuals, which is a nightmare. Hmm. And the, and I'll never forget this. My fellow panelists, just, they all basically, they looked at me, they put their hand on my shoulder and they just said, we're here with you. Hmm. It's okay. You know, it's okay. And I just never forgot that. It's like we're all in this together. Nobody needs to throw darts at somebody on stage. You know, it does. It takes a lot of courage to present. And let's let's be compassionate and supportive instead of critical. I don't mean that you can't evaluate a presentation and learn from it. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying, you know, meanness may not, you know, be a productive approach. Yeah, exactly. What I grasp from what you are saying is you want to create a very personal and intimate um, setting as well as for the, uh, the speakers and the people that you invite as well as for like the people who are coming to the event that you create this nice atmosphere and that you create a, a memory for each other and then um, with all the things um, that are around it. And um, what I also was wondering, do you also think about um, the whole setting and stuff like that? Um, like, or is it just in a in a school setting or in a special venue? And do you decorate the venue and stuff like that? Do you think about it, or is that um, as it comes? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I yeah no. I think that it depends. I mean, I'll answer that in terms of our design week, where we have the art book fair and lectures and the book fair and happenings and meals and mm. all of that. And I'd say depending on what what we need to do we we definitely think about the interior space Mm -hmm. uh for the art book fair we work with actual source in provo utah and they do the wayfinding and branding of the fair and he's an one of the partners is an alum of otis so that's meaningful for us um and so yeah i mean everything is hopefully everything is considered Mm -hmm. from the donuts we serve right um to uh you know, to the package that they get, to the takeaways, to the, um, you know, hopefully the, yeah, all of it's conscious. We're conscious of it all. Yeah. And actually, yeah. And, you know, I want to say, I want to kind of credit the Dutch for something. In 1987, I attended the Eiko Grotta conference in Amsterdam. And that was my first foray into a very, sophisticated conference where everything was thought out first of all 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 the 
attendees wanted to buy the jumpsuits off of the workers. You know, mm-hmm. like everything was so amazing in every way. It was one of the greatest memories for me. And uh, that, of course, has inspired a lot of what I'm, I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine because what you see, you take with you, everything what you see is an, like is a memory and it's also as a, is a inspiring for the next thing that you yeah. that you do. Um, and I was wondering, yeah. um, you, the, the Design Week of Otis is every year, yeah, uh, right? And uh, when is it this year? It's in July. Um, so the Art Book Fair is July 6th and 7th. Mm-hmm. And um, the, we have two weeks prior, we host designers in residence. So they come and they do a workshop with the students and then they get to do their own work. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, almost always producing material that would be sold at their table at the book fair. And then we have a week's worth of workshops where uh, students and visiting artists work with an organization in the city for... Um, uh, doing a project that has some real important social relevance, you know, mm. so our students can see that their work as graphic designers can impact um, society in a positive way. That's in, that's really interesting. How did that came about? If I, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So one of the great things about Otis College is that philosophically they're committed to being an institution that does work out in the community, you know, art and design for change. And actually the demographic of students who come to Otis, many come from marginalized communities. The idea is that they come and they study art and they study design, and then they can go back into their communities and they can bring art and design as an agent for change to those communities. So this is a theme uh, that threads throughout the college at the undergrad and grad level. And so one of the core values of the grad program is social responsibility of the designer and society Mm -hmm. and it's extremely important that our students who come here get outside of themselves and work with um examples you know incarcerated youth uh the museum of the holocaust you know farmer's market anyway the list goes on and on so our students are always um introduced to how as a group can we work in collaboration with this organization so that we can make things better and you know we've had great success Uh, a homeless foundation that works with domestic families that are relocating due to domestic violence you know the proposal is being brought to the board some of the projects are realized some of them are speculative uh, we worked with um, Black Lives Matters last year. That that outcomes were used. Uh, so anyway, it's 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 actually very exciting. Yeah, sounds amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's really cool. It's also really interesting that that as a school or as a yeah as a as a department, you give something back to the community and um, for social good. Yes. See, now, if your listeners who are interested in this want to come to Otis for graduate school, we would love to have them. Right. And what do you have to do for that? (laughs) (laughs) You have to apply, right? Yes, you have to apply. Okay. 
Oh, but that's always good to know because I get um, a lot of questions about where can where should I go when is there a summer program? Do you have a summer program? Yeah. Are you asking? Yeah. Yeah. So our program is actually 14 months. So it's a very fast program. So you do summer, fall, spring, summer. So 14 straight months and then you're done. Okay. Yeah. So it's, and, it, and the two summers are eight to 10, they're basically 10 weeks and it's so intense. Hmm. Uh, it's great. I mean, I really like it. It's, I think the people, but then again, I'm not the student tortured by the rapid right. speed. Um, but we have a really tight curriculum and I'm very proud of our faculty, to be honest, they do a great job and they themselves have come together in a really cohesive way. And I think the students benefit from that. Um, you know, there's a lot of partnership in teaching. We team teach a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've benefited so much also from our collaborations with uh, the schools in Holland, you know, and we've hosted faculty from Holland mm-hmm. um, and that's made a huge, had a huge impact on us. Right. So I'm very grateful for those who have inspired us and who've shown a lot of support and even um before, you know, we're developing, we're still very new. And I feel that people have been very receptive to us. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to say. I, I think that I'm looking at some models of school over there, um, learning from you, Roja Klopp, mm-hmm. these Devets, you know, everybody, Thomas Castro, Daniel and Finca, mm-hmm. you know, there's been people who have had conversations with me and it's had a massive impact on what we're doing. And I hope they, I'm sure they know it, you know. Yeah, so you basically mention everybody in all art schools and all that, right? <laughs> like. Well, you're worth, yeah. I've, I've been a fan for many years. Hmm. Now okay. be fair for me too. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. It's great. It's a great educational system and um, they offer some great courses. So that's nice. So um, I want to um, round up. And before I do that, I wanted to ask you, um, like I do in every episode, for five recommendations in, in a single category. This section is called Neon Five. And I wanted to start with a book. Um, okay, James Baldwin, Fire Next Time. Mm-hmm. And that's about because I, I didn't read it. He's just one of the most amazing writers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anything I say would not be, you know, justice for him. And so it's worth reading. And I actually think it's interesting that it was written, if I'm not mistaken, in the 60s. Um, and the fact that I can I read it again in the late 90s and was so inspired by mm-hmm. it. And I could read it again. I could read it now. And. And a lot of the issues that one would think would be resolved, such as civil rights, social justice, we're still grappling with. Right. So that's a book I would recommend. Okay. And the next category is food. Which food type would you recommend everybody okay. to? <laughs> You're gonna... I would recommend um, going on the um, Whole30 way of eating. Because that's what I'm on now. So a kind of food is the whole 30. People can look, you can Google it. So it's no, no grain, no legumes, no sugar, no alcohol, and no dairy. 
and you only do it for 30 days and mm. it's rejuvenating. Mm. It's the rage here in mm. America. So okay. good luck. Good luck. Whoever's listening and wants to tackle it. Uh, sounds... I'm not done with it yet. I still have, you know, 13 days to go. So okay. wish me luck. But, is but it I've going, noticed a is difference. It going... Yeah, that's good. It's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. My skin is much looks better. <laughs> oh, great. That's so good. Uh -huh. right. I didn't hear about it. Um, we follow a very strict diet uh, ourselves, but um, yeah, you have to get into the mood. And the, the thing is like yes, uh, it, uh, um, after the 30 days, you have to continue because then it's get, yeah, then it's, then it's get, yeah, yeah. gets more interesting uh, yeah, because right. it's um, long term. And then you really see uh, change. Um, because for example, I don't eat dairy since 2010. Oh yeah. Can't you tell the difference? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> not really. Oh, ah, enough time has passed. It's normal for you. It's so normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also, I eat, um, very little soya. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. And no meat also no, uh, no meat whatsoever. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I do alcohol, but yeah. Okay. Oh, there you go. Um, the next category is uh, movie. Okay. Uh, uh, Captain Fantastic. I could say there are so many films I could say, but that's what the first thing that came to my mind. Right. I'm just going with the first thing that comes to right. mind. Right. As in just a band. And just in anything. So... First thing that comes to yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, Licky Lee. Is that a rapper? Swedish? No, no, no. Swedish. She's oh. Swedish. Uh-huh. I just heard her perform mm -hmm. uh, in a very intimate setting in Los Angeles. Um, she's amazing. I mean, I think, yeah, she's amazing. Hmm. And uh, miscellaneous, something from your life you would recommend? Um, to watch the, um, to really, oh my God, you know what I want to recommend? I want to recommend Athens. I want to recommend going to Athens. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because I'm amazed at how, you know, people I've, I keep hearing it's the new Berlin or whatever, mm -hmm. but I was just so impressed um, with the city and the kind of pulse of the city and the creativity of the city and, um, I had a really good time when I was there and I'm actually Greek, partially Greek American mm -hmm. and I, I didn't respond. I don't know if I responded to Athens and because it's my heritage from I'm like second generation, but it was more uh, just as an artistic uh, city. It's amazing. I just didn't expect to love it the way I did. So that would be my recommendation. That's my miscellaneous go to Athens. Nice. And where can people follow you on the internet? So my Instagram is K-N-I-K-I-T-A-S. And then if anybody is coming to Los Angeles, feel free. I'm happy to recommend restaurants, places to shop, museums, how to navigate through Los Angeles without struggling in traffic and mm. come visit. Yeah, come visit. It's a great city. It's a happy city. Nice. That's really generous. 
But thank you also for asking and thank you for tapping into this question about gender equality and, you know, and also acknowledging that, that design can be thought of in ways outside of a traditional mm-hmm. model. Yeah. It's an exciting time for design in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, but it's also very complicated because there are yeah. so many opinions and yeah everybody deals it different uh differently with it and everybody has a different experience on forehands and you ne- like you never know in what the context is within uh what when people share some thoughts about it so that's also um yeah makes it hard sometimes i think when you just said what you said that you have a lot more information than i have so when you said that I think there's a lot of stories behind that comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Kali. It's really great talking you. to you. And Yeah, it was so good. Great. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Hi, it's Thomas. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, neomare.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Daam, at neomare and on Instagram at neomare show. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you find some episode notes. Next to that, neomare has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world you can sign up for neo monday at neomarie.com slash subscribe and now we also have a patreon page and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash thomas thanks for listening